Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's news talk, TNT Radio. You're with Hervoy Morich on today's news talk radio, TNT. All right, round two, we have Simon from Florida joining us in a short while to talk global geopolitics. He follows that stuff uh, very closely, the nitty gritty. So he'll be helping us figure out what is going on. A quick announcement about the inaugural conference of Australians for Science and Freedom which brings together thinkers and community leaders to share learnings, formulate plans, and help establish new and emerging networks and organizations to restore a thriving Australian society founded on science and freedom. Join the exciting lineup of health professionals, scientists, economists, lawyers, journalists, and community leaders to discuss a range of hot issues, including healthcare policy, democracy, and human rights, education, the media, and the role of grassroots organizations. The Australians for Science and Freedom Conference will be held at the University of New South Wales, High Street, Kensington, New South Wales, from 8.30 a.m. I believe that's this Saturday, November 18th, uh, and 8.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. this Sunday, November 19th. TNT Radio will be broadcasting from the conference. Tickets are available at scienceandfreedom.org. Canadian Defence Minister admits drastic decline in active duty soldiers since COVID vaccine mandates. One Canadian Armed Forces member told LifeSite News that the low recruitment and retainment numbers are are a result of both COVID vaccine mandates and radical uh, agendas. So we're seeing the same thing play out in Canada as it is in the United States uh, you know, this is why I've had on in the past. I like to explore all scenarios and theories, and I don't discount the the scenarios we get from folks like Jeff Nyquist and Jules Skousen, who depict um, a future war scenario where the U.S. and Canada, North America, are intentionally weakened before the the final blow of you know the russia china multipolar axis uh you know actually attacking the north american homeland with nuclear hypersonics i don't know emps um you know chinese russian troops coming in through the southern border with hearing stuff like this how the canadian and american governments are actively working to weaken their own security forces you have to wonder how why uh there's some you know level um of of treachery going on here but uh, it says canadian officials have admitted that the nation's military is shrinking to dangerously low numbers defense minister revealed that more soldiers are leaving the canadian armed forces that then can be replaced by recruits a trend which started after covid vaccines were mandated for all military members maybe that, that i i wouldn't doubt that was probably one of the goals they were gearing for uh you know whoever ran operation COVID. Hey, maybe this is also part of getting um, a more multicultural armed forces as you know, we work towards a one world army. Um, what else do we have going on? Ray Dalio has come out. He published today on his LinkedIn, the risks of US-China military war have declined and the new type of war has begun. 
um, he says that the uh, that basically it's going to be more Sun Tzu art of war type stuff where China is uh, their strategy is to do as much as they can behind the scenes to achieve their goals versus all out war. So uh, he says the goal of both sides in this new type of war is to win without getting into a bloody military war. So that's interesting. We also have what do we have New York's um, is it uh, Mayor Hochul come out announcing that the new New York is collecting data from surveillance efforts on social media. The social media analysis unit will contact people who commit hate speech. This is to ensure safety. Look at that. That comes. Um, sorry, I meant Governor uh, Hochul, Kathy uh, Hochul. And this isn't funny that this is, uh, you know, the same day today it's tweeted UNESCO, UNESCO's director general unveils a multi-stakeholder plan to safeguard social media platforms from dis and misinformation, hate speech and conspiracy theories. The director general writes, the blurring of boundaries between true and false, the highly organized denial of scientific facts the amplification of disinformation and conspiracies these did not originate on social networks but the in the absence of regulation they flourish they're much better than the truth only by taking the full measure of this technological revolution can we ensure it does not sacrifice human rights freedom of expression and democracy for information to remain a common good we must reflect and act now together look at that collectivism that's oozing from Audrey uh and uh I like how she says we've got to take full measure of this technological revolution scientific dictatorship right UNESCO uh you know Bertrand Russell Huxley all these uh sick insane sociopathic uh, people who have been dreaming for centuries now of establishing scientific dictatorship absolutely um crazy and it's also being reported that uh, there's alarming acceleration in New Zealand excess deaths this is from the hatchardreport.com official figures up 70 percent on last year hey, hey you know it's that sparse pandemic simulation so we had the uh, Rockefeller 2010 lockstep and then uh, Crimson Contagion eventual one urban outbreak um and then the you know for operation COVID, and then they had sparse pandemic for post operation COVID. it's it's actually happening look it's actually happening uh deaths are accelerating thanks to uh the, the pentagon juice as i call it uh all right if you've got a suggestion for a possible guest or host you'd like to hear on tnt radio or perhaps a topic you feel we should discuss we'd love to hear from you fill out the suggestion form uh, on the website or message directly any individual presenter uh, through our contact forms uh, we're happy to hear from you help us make a difference on tnt radio pointed conversation powered by the facts it's always a balanced conversation today's news talk radio tnt local lawmakers are urging the philippine government to recall its ambassador to beijing as a strong condemnation of china's repeated harassment of philippine vessels in the disputed south china sea 
here with the story. Joining me once again, TNT Radio News producer Adam Clark, otherwise known as Ruckus. Thanks, Rory. This comes after a China Coast Guard ship reportedly blasted a water cannon toward a Philippine motorboat, motorboat, excuse me, that was delivering supplies to troops stationed at a Yungin Shoal, also known as the Second Thomas Shoal. That happened on November 10th. Uh, Philippine Senator Francis Tolentino said in a local radio interview on November 12th that the government should recall its envoy without severing diplomatic relations with communist China or closing the Philippine embassy in Beijing. According to a translation by the Manila Times, Mr. Tolentino said, quote, we have not done this, but the executive branch, the president and the Department of Foreign Affairs can make such a decision. This is to show the seriousness of China's violation of international law, which affected our rights in the West Philippine Sea, end quote. The West Philippine Sea is the area known as the South China Sea internationally. Philippine Senator Jingoy Ejercito Estrada echoed his call, saying that the Philippines is in a position to pursue diplomatic modes that it deems appropriate in response to China's, quote, recurring acts of aggression against our countrymen, end quote. Uh, in a statement on November 13th today, uh, Mr. Estrada said, quote, the repeated harassment and bullying of Philippine vessels in the West Philippine Sea demand our immediate attention and resolute response, end quote. A Philippine government task force said it condemns China's latest, quote, unprovoked acts of coercion and dangerous maneuvers, end quote, in the South China Sea. The Philippine Coast Guard said in a statement that the actions of the China Coast Guard CCG vessels, quote, do not align with the universally accepted behavior of a Coast Guard. It said, quote, the dangerous maneuvering of the CCG vessels are illegal and irresponsible actions that puts into question and significant doubt their narrative of law enforcement and their real identity as a Coast Guard organization, end quote. Yowza, burn! The United States has affirmed that it, quote, stands shoulder to shoulder, end quote, with its Philippine ally in the face of China's repeated harassment in the South China Sea, and reiterated that any attack on a Philippine vessel could trigger a mutual defense treaty. The incident came just weeks after China's ships separately blocked and then hit a Philippine Coast Guard vessel and supply boat near the Second Thomas Shoal on October 22nd, prompting Manila to summon the Chinese envoy in response. Philippine Foreign Ministry spokeswoman Teresita Daza has said that Manila would use all available diplomatic means with China, including issuing a formal protest to address maritime issues with China. So, yep, how dare you? Uh, we protest. Uh, does Rory Doth the lady protest too much? What do you think? Well, that was funny, Ruckus. South China Xi, South China Xi Jinping, South China Xi. Uh, but this sort of outlines the wider 
scenario, you know, Philippines is completely capitulated to the Amer the globalist American empire. Uh, as I was mentioning earlier, it seems India is now in that camp uh, as well, joining the USA. USA seems to be winning. I don't know. Um, again, I'm I don't know the future. Unlike you know maybe some analysts who pretend to know the future and they double and triple down on their assessments. But I again I keep multiple scenarios out. One is that yes, the West declines. Maybe the multipolar countries beat them. You know, or Michael. You know, experts like Michael Beckley. Um, they talk about how America, or you know, it's not even America, right? Uh, it's it's a vessel for the globalists, the, the the whole Western system. Maybe it wins. Maybe it remains this hyper power, and it ends up. You know, it takes India, it takes Philippines, um, and it, it maybe it eventually. You know, we go to a nuclear war, and um, the the West wins. That's a scenario too. We can't discount, no matter how much we might dislike it. Uh, you know, and so uh, I just it's just unnerving this trend, how they they take over Philippines. And uh, also, you know, today I was well, The Economist yesterday published an article related to this a Chinese dispute with the Philippines is a test of uh, America. And they conclude basically that the South China Sea is a dangerous and revealing place. Just now, both China and America have every reason to avoid conflict there. But China yearns to expose America as an unreliable ally and to make the Philippines obey Chinese drawn red lines or pay a visible price to keep the peace rules will be of less help than calculations of relative power and national interests. And uh, also today on LinkedIn, Gregory Copley, past guest of mine, International Strategic Studies Association, published uh, one of his brief special analyses for free again if you follow him on linkedin you'll get them for free uh often and it's titled the prc's war plans against taiwan keep uh evolving and the bottom line there is that there are some china or is it taiwanese elections going on in spring next year and copley says that um that uh, China are planning for Xi Jinping to initiate some kind of strategic action against Taiwan after the election, but before the investiture of the new president in late May 2024. So really, uh, you know, all bets are off as to what is going to happen in South China Sea. I've got no idea. Uh, any other thoughts, Ruckus? Well, you know, it just adds to the long list of uh, things that make me scratch my head when it comes to geopolitics. Certainly not my strong suit. I'm getting better by hanging out with you, uh, Herbori. So thanks for that. Um, but the thing is, like, every time I get closer to, to thinking that, man, we are just, you know, we're about to experience a new world order, a one world government. Then, you know, I look around and I see stuff like this happening and I'm like, how, how, how is that going to happen? Not in my lifetime. I don't see it because these, these big, powerful countries are still doing their little beefs with each other. So I'm like, I, I just don't see it. I mean, I'm sure it all ultimately plays uh, a bigger part. It's like a small piece in the puzzle, but I don't know. These countries can't seem to get along. There's always going to be war, all these aggressive maneuvers. I, I don't see them anytime soon getting together, shaking hands and agreeing to be ruled by one ultimate power. But I could be wrong. 
that's a great wonderful white pill there ruckus let my kids deal with the world government no uh i'm just kidding and uh you know i also can take it as an interpretation of bible prophecy that's you know when it when john on patmos talks about these this beast that has power over all tribes nations um again it, there can be elements of sim symbolism there where maybe it's not literally 100 percent, but just vast swaths of the earth uh um, or maybe not every nation entirely, completely, but mostly. Uh, Will's, we're, we're just going to have to find out. <laughs> Ruckus. Uh, all right, talk to you tomorrow. We got Simon from Florida. Uh, phone lines are open. Be right back. TNT Radio's Steve Malzberg. Israel rescued a female member of the IDF who was kidnapped by Hamas. And the media interpreted that or put that out accidentally on purpose as she was released. Now, what does that mean? That means that the good people of Hamas released another hostage. It took Dana Perino on the five on Fox to actually say and indict her own network, who when they went live to their guy in Israel, also used the word released. And when they finally came back to Dana to talk about everything, she said, I just want to say something. She said earlier today, Israel rescued that female soldier. And we made a mistake too. We said she was released. She wasn't released. And she went into the whole thing about how that just props up Hamas. I mean, how could journalists, quote unquote, not know the freaking difference between rescued and released? Steve Malsberg on TNT Radio. The Light is Britain's far-right conspiracy theory paper spreading hate and vicious lies. No, that's what the BBC say. The Light is the only national newspaper bringing you the real news and informed opinion on what's really going on today. You can subscribe, order copies, submit articles, and read back issues on our website, thelightpaper.co.uk, and see for yourself why the establishment are so worried about the uncensored truth getting out to people every month. They've launched a new service called Wake Up Your Neighbours, where you can get copies delivered to the streets right around you if you don't want to do it yourself. The Light Paper. Not for right, just right so far. Thelightpaper.co.uk We don't rock, rock. we talk. talk. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Returning to the Rebel transmission is Simon, who's based in Florida. He's got a popular X account. You should follow Simon from Flory, Simon from F-L-O-R-I, and the number two how are you doing this Monday, Simon? I'm doing very well indeed, thank you. It's been um, a very um, eventful weekend, and I'm um, happy to be able to share these uh, news items of your audience and yourself once again. There's a lot to cover, but uh, if I may, Simon, we've got some folks in the chat who have a burning question for you. They said uh, apparently that I asked this question to you last time, but they didn't didn't really catch the answer. Uh, I, I don't know, but basically uh, they're saying, Hervoya, um, you asked Simon about the takedown question of the West at the end of the last time, but I never heard the answer. And he's they're also saying how Patrick Henningsen had on Niall McRae and, and also asked him about this. Uh, you know, before getting into some of the events over the past few days, uh, do you have any quick thought as to, I don't know, the takedown of the West or the decline of the West or the self-immolation <laughs> of the West? Um, I, I have been thinking about this a lot, and I, I check myself 
on confirmation bias. I make a real effort to do that. And I read the article that you sent me shortly before the show, and that gave you know maybe think of that um, situation where one can cherry pick information and suggest that that validates your opinion or point of view, even though the underlying premise is completely different and potentially contradictory to the premise that you've originally posited to support your conclusion. And that's a danger, and we need to be aware of that. And we're facing that kind of situation now where we're focused, and indeed some people have a lockjaw on the Middle East ongoing conflict, but we need to not only maintain peripheral vision, which actually it requires an effort, because you know when we're in such a threatening situation with the potential once again for a, a pan-regional conflict and possibly World War III, you get what's called tunnel vision. And so you lose your peripheral vision and you actually have to pivot your head to make sure what else is going on around you. And so not only do we have to do that, but beyond the immediate threat is the, is the overarching scheme, or indeed what Yasser Arafat may have called the plot. And, um, and so we need to be aware what we're seeing may just be a microcosm of indeed a much larger picture. Now, that much larger picture is the retransition from unipolarity to multipolarity. You know, Dugin, Lavrov, um, the Russian government, the Chinese, all of their geopolitical experts are reiterating this point weekly that, you know, the the trend of history that cannot, in their opinion, be subverted is back to multipolarity. Now, Dugan has made the point very eloquently this week that the test for the Arab world, whether you want to call it the Arab world or West Asia, because the Arab world technically wouldn't include Iran, um, was the Arab OIC combined conference that instead of happening on Saturday and Sunday was rolled into one, knowing that they already had a fundamental disagreement on action steps. And he, in advance, said that this was their opportunity to unequivocally establish themselves as one of the poles in the multipolar system. But it's quite clear now, and has been admitted in recent hours by the Jordanian Deputy Prime Minister, who's also the Foreign Minister, Mr. Ayman Safadi, that um, the summit failed the Arab people and failed the needy citizens of Gaza and there are going to be consequences. And one of those consequences is that they've shown themselves to be easily bought off and disunited, despite you know interventions by um, the president of Iran and the president of Turkey, you know, myself included. Many people thought that with the leadership of the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia, a deal had been tucked up whatever deal they had in mind fell apart in the 
foreign ministers pre-summit meeting on the Thursday and Friday before the Saturday combined meeting. And we can now see from statements of the Israeli government and the European Union today that those parties are seizing upon the disunity and are going to go full steam ahead with all of their greater schemes other than than Gaza. So I, I hope that that somewhat lengthy answer will answer their question in the, that there is still a trend away from the dominance of the West, but it's definitely hit a road bump this weekend. Yeah, and over the weekend, I did uh, manage to watch Dugin's interview with uh, DD Geopolitics, um, Sarah, uh, and a few of her colleagues. And uh, just to add to what you're saying, The Cradle also published over the weekend an article from Halil Harb titled Arab Normalizers Turn Their Cheek as Another Hiroshima Unfolds in Gaza. The summary says, while Israel has dropped the equivalent of two nuclear bombs on Gaza and mulls over the prospect of deploying an actual one, normalized Arab regimes are quietly protecting their commitment to support Tel Aviv over Tehran, sort of echoing what you're uh, talking uh, about. It, it's worse than that, though, unfortunately, according to Mr. Safadi of the Jordanian government, he's he's saying that not only have they essentially chosen to do nothing, but they're actually selling back their munition stockpiles to the Americans in order that the Americans can give them to the Israelis. Yeah, and I think I, if I, I'm recalling what you mentioned, I think I did uh, hear Dugan say that in his interview that this was the the moment, to, the, the the test for the Middle East to see whether they're going to you know come out as a uh, an independent poll, and it, it doesn't seem to be uh, the case. Uh, real quick, Simon, we're going to go to our headlines. We're ready. We're ready. News. The news is our business, and we never close. Never close. TNT Radio News. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. President Emmanuel Macron announced Sunday that his government will introduce legislation this week to enshrine the freedom to have an abortion into the French Constitution. A lion escaped from the Roni Roller Circus in the Italian seaside town of Latispoli near Rome on November 11th. Italy's Mount Etna, Europe's tallest and most active volcano, roared into action on November 12th spewing lava and ash high over the Mediterranean island of Sicily. Why not give TNT Radio a follow? We're on all major social platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Gab, and Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time right here on today's News Talk. TNT Radio. TNT Radio. We're back with Simon from Florida. His Check out, subscribe to his X account. If you use X, Simon from Flory and the number to um you know any further thoughts on the um uh the the, the meeting between the the arab the arab um what do we call it the 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 oi no the, the arab the, oic combined summit yeah right it, it seems like you know when they talk about palestine and you know mohammed bin salman saw a clip of him speaking and they're talking about two-state solution it just seems like they're they're saying it um just to say it doesn't seem like they really mean it but you know any other thoughts on on this uh or other items yeah i mean i watched 
most of the day, the whole sequence of like 50 ministers and foreign ministers and presidents give their speech like they do at the UN General Assembly opening. I then I read all the coverage about the pre-meeting that was still keeping cars pretty close to their chest, um, had seen the comments from um, the, the top foreign policy guy in um, Turkey who had published what was essentially a clear message in Daily Sabah about how the OIC should embrace Erdogan's plan and America should embrace it in order to dig themselves out of this particular situation. That was very much a one, uh, sorry, a, a two-state solution. Um, it was interesting that despite the fact that President Raisi had met and spoken extensively with President Erdogan of Turkey at the um, Organization of Turkic States Summit and at the um, Economic Cooperation Organization meeting that happened in Tashkent just a few days before the, the big Saturday um, Islamic meeting, that uh, whilst they seemed to have common purpose, it then became very clear that their um, means of achieving those goals um, were, were different as well as the end states being different. So Erdogan had like a five-point plan, uh, Raisi had a 10-point plan, but Raisi's end goal was a two-state solution and um, so Erdogan's end goal was a two-state solution and Raisi's end goal was a one-state solution. And as he said, um, every resident um, Muslim, Jew and Christian will get a vote and they'll determine their former government for themselves. Now, ironically, it would appear that the Christian Zionists and the Israeli government are pursuing their own version of a one-state solution that, from what they've said today in relation to Beirut and uh, the West Bank, would actually be a, not only a one-state within the existing borders, but, but would be one greater state of Israel. So there's an enormous divergence of opinion. And I would just point out, um, as I have done on uh, my own show, um, Weaponized News, that you know people can also look at where we're trying to cover these things every day with really great attention to detail on, on Rumble and Facebook and Twitter, that the Iranians, I'm not sure I sent it to you, but just in case you didn't get a chance to see it, um, they're actually doing volunteer registration for a war against Israel. And as of yesterday, they had 9 million volunteers. 9 million, just in Iran. And they're running similar lists in other countries, like Afghanistan and Iraq. Okay? So, I mean, you know, if that were to be done in, in Turkey, in Egypt, you'd get millions of people signing up in a few days in both of those countries as well. This is a very, very volatile situation. We've had 57 attacks as of like noon today on um, American bases scattered across the, the Middle East. Um, they're now massively responding where they think that there are Iranian-supplied ammo depots 
and um, militia meeting points. So, you know, it may not be um, immediately present before the general public, but there's a uh, managed escalation occurring. You know, we, we talked before when I was uh, had the privilege of being on your show, we mentioned Elijah Manager, Manier, and he had described the um, the distance escalation ladder from like two to five to 10 to 15 to 17 kilometers on either side of the international border in between Lebanon and northern Israel. That's now extended to 40 kilometers. So they're literally doing attacks into Haifa and attacks 40 kilometers north of the of the Israeli border on a tit-for-tat basis. And I really wonder how long it is before the Russians give the Syrians some S-400s and start shooting down some F-35s to see if it's possible. Yeah, you know, uh, I'm I'm guessing you also perhaps read Dr. Paul Craig Roberts, and uh, he's kind of touching on these comments and saying uh, he doesn't understand what the Russians are doing. They're holding back. Uh, you know, they they what you just said that he I think he mentioned in his analysis today that Putin could have solved all this five years ago if he just gave the Syrians this defense and solved Ukraine quickly. But by dragging their feet, uh, they're going to end up put you know they're going to end up painted uh, in in a corner and forced to use their nukes against washington because they underestimate the um the level of uh psychopathy rampant <laughs> at the pentagon um you know uh other thoughts you, you've sent me a bunch of stuff uh there's a lot of stuff going on now in central asia related to kazakhstan lavrov has said that, that the eu which is basically, you know, Brussels, Washington, London. Uh, he says the EU does not conceal plans to push Russia out of Central Asia. So there's a new, new great game uh, going on there. Turkey has and, its own and game. And the new mm -hmm. liaison office that they opened in Kazakhstan. Uh, what was opened there? NATO opened a liaison office in Kazakhstan that was attended by NATO officers in uniform. Yeah, so what do you make of what's going on uh, there? Because some analysts say, I mean, Kazakhstan has always had this multi-vector um, policy, right, to get along with everyone, Russia, West, and China. Uh, but um, it is kind of unnerving that they are getting keen on, on NATO, especially if in January 2022, uh, the, the protest that went on there, people, I think, were shot and, and killed as well. We don't know if that was a Western color revolution or, or what was going on there. Um, what are your thoughts as to Kazakhstan and, and Central Asia? I would say that the president there is playing a fantastically dangerous game, and I would not go to the open window of any multi-story buildings. Uh, yeah, Tokayev, well, that's why, you know, they, there was uh, there were issues with Tokayev and um because it's not just Russia, it's China does not want America going in their back door. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, th there are other elements to this game as well. There was a great article you re you retweeted again from your uh, ex-account, Daily Sabah. Uh, Turkish era leaves its indelible mark on uh, Eurasia. And uh, it's mentioned uh, they're pushing for the middle corridor, this trans-Caspian middle corridor, 
promising alternative to push export and energy links from Europe to Kazakhstan, the Caspian, Azerbaijan, Georgia, uh, and from there via the Black Sea to Turkey. So it seems like there are a number of interests, as you mentioned, China, the Turks, the West, uh, the Russians. What about the interests of the Kazakhs uh, as well? So, uh, and Lavrov, I think. Your use of the phrase, the great game, um, you know, if there are um, people interested in Afghan history, there is, of course, that wonderful book from 1990 called The Great Game, which was in and of itself a reinvention of the term from the imperial great game between the British Empire and the Russian Empire over Afghanistan during the 1800s. And your use of that phrase in now in relation to Kazakhstan is exactly appropriate because, you know, it would appear that um, th that is being attempted there. Now, when one looks at the scale of the intermarriages and the migration flows and the uh, foreign worker remittances and the percentage of overall trade, the inward investment, it's blatantly obvious that that's hugely dominated by China and by Russia. And one might be able to argue, like the UAE, that they're trying to play this kind of triple game because they want to stay off the sanctions list. They want to stay off the grey list for money laundering. But, you know, they can only play that game so far. You know, it's very, very clear that the um, Chinese and the Russians don't want it to become a nest of spies like Vienna post-World War II. Yeah, and uh, there's another piece you sent me. Um, and again, this is important stuff to be reading. You sent uh, this article, well, this um, from the Kremlin itself, and it's Putin, the president, receiving vice chairman of China's Central Military Commission, Zheng Yuashia, at the Novo Ogarayova residence outside Moscow. Uh, and just, you know, real quick, Shoigu was there uh, and Putin has said, we are witnessing attempts by some countries to expand their geographical reach. As strange as it sounds, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization has been seeking to transcend its geography, which I believe runs counter to its own statutory uh, documents. So, you, your further thoughts on on, on this uh, meeting or or other well, items? Yeah, there was three key paragraphs in that document, um, which was obviously the readout. I'm sure there were private conversations as well. But it's important to note that that gentleman from the Chinese military, when you say he's the vice chairman, the chairman, of course, is the president of China. Okay, so he's like just below the president in terms of the military chain of command. And they still haven't officially replaced the defense minister, Mr. Zi Shang-Fu, who, you recall, disappeared like a couple of months ago and hasn't been seen since, much like happened with their foreign minister, Mr. Quinn Gang, right? So that gentleman there is essentially their acting um, minister of defense. And he pointed out to Putin how he'd been there in 2013, which is when the BRI was announced by President Xi in Kazakhstan. And he also mentioned that he'd been there in 2017 and they exchanged very, very warm greetings. But they also talked about cooperation on a whole list of 
categories of military technology, including near space and far space, laser type weapons, rocket systems. And then Putin specifically made the point he seemed to pull himself up short before he said a word that was classified or top secret, right? And he said, yeah, um, other things that are coming down the pipeline without explaining exactly on that. And then at the very final paragraph, the Chinese gentleman um, reiterated that their alliance was greater than a traditional military alliance and it extended to both exercises, military cooperation, and what he described as technical cooperation. And that should probably be seen in the light of the announcement that we've had this week that the Republic of Korea, Japan, and the United States were now in real time going to be sharing missile tracking data. So we see these groups of countries very much cooperating on stuff that's important for AI to make decisions in real time by feeding it in data from as many sources as possible. Yeah, this is important. Um, again, as you, you, this is what you do. You pull together these important items. This is a, a very important piece. It's pretty brief, uh, very brief, uh, actually. And I was listening uh, earlier today to an interview with Pippa Malmgren uh, on World War Three, and she was also discussing, focusing on space and stuff like high orbit uh, assets, as Putin mentioned here. So a lot of the smart people are looking looking to the skies uh it's time for our break simon phone lines are open if people want to hey you know people send me questions for simon on chat you can pick up the phone and ask him yourself we'll be right back the world health organization's pandemic treaty is still a looming threat to our future from washington dc this is the morano minute with your host tnt radio's mark morano german federal minister of health dr carl lauterbach had this to say about the world health organization's proposed pandemic treaty if we do not have a pandemic agreement i fear that we lose the momentum of the pandemic and it's an open question uh, when we, if we will ever have a pandemic agreement. Let's hope the German Federal Minister of Health's warning rings true that we lose momentum. A reminder, a pandemic treaty is nothing short of Bill Gates-funded scientists at the WHO declaring global instant lockdowns, stay-at-home orders, church closures, and vaccine and mask mandates. The World Health Organization would supersede all local authority and lockdowns would become global. This is our future, only if we allow it. Reject the Great Reset. This is Mark Morano for the Morano Minute on TNT Radio. The next time you think you can illegally handle your mobile phone while driving and get away with it, think again. Phone detection cameras are in operation on New South Wales roads. Hello? So if you're driving and illegally handle your mobile phone, you can stop it or cop it. You're with Hervoye Morich on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Time is flying and it's our final segment with Simon from Florida. Follow his X account at Simon from F-L-O-R-I and, and the number two. Um, 
what are some other uh, things that are going on? Of course, we had uh, American psycho, as I call him, Gavin Newsom. Uh, he was recently in Beijing with Xi Jinping, uh, and now they're uh, preparing for Xi's visit uh, in in California, California, uh, that, you know, miraculously, all the homeless people disappeared, which proves that when the government wants, they can, uh, they can solve, solve problems, but they don't want to, they'd rather send the money to, uh, Ukraine and, and Israel and, uh, um, you know, finance the military and industrial complex. They don't want to solve homelessness in America. Uh, and, and Newsom did actually admit it. He came out and said, yeah, you know, we, we, cleared things up before, for you know because of Xi Jinping and so anyways this is going to be an important uh, I guess visit uh in preparation for APEC so your some of your thoughts on this well well no I mean APEC already started with the finance ministers meeting today and um don't forget uh, Xi's visit has now now been upgraded to a full state visit he arrives tomorrow and he's actually going to be here for four days so it really is looking like it's turned into quite a significant event, given that two weeks ago, China wouldn't even confirm if he was going to attend. So I think people should watch that very, very carefully. I mean, I'm literally going to cover that every single day. I appreciate you've got, you know, guests pre-booked, but I'll be doing that before your show on, on the weaponized news that I previously mentioned. But um, in terms of the big picture... I think that from Russia's point of view and for the whole multipolar project and for people's mortgage rates to bring it truly home to our American listeners, you know, what happens this week is very, very important because we've seen this downward trend over the last several years for China's reduction in their holding of US debt. And if that continues, it's going to put a lot of upward pressure on rates that can make the cost of owning a home in America even more expensive than it has become in the last two or three years. At the very time that we see the Speaker of the House, Mr. Johnson, who obviously we know is a arch uh, Zionist and clearly um, wanted to give as much money as possible to Israel as quickly as he possibly could, but he's now proposed over the weekend that the remaining um, seven or eight uh, appropriation bills that are required to fund the government for the next year be split into two packages, one of which will roll existing financing for that one third of what's um, required. So there's basically 12 bills required. They've done like, I think it's five now. He wants to put some into a bill that will roll over to the 20th of February and wants to put the remainder in a bill that will roll to the 5th of March. Now, the threat that he's made, because bear in mind he's working with a very, very small majority, is that if the Republicans can't coalesce in order to at least buy themselves three months of time, that he's willing to do a package deal with the Democrats and take government financing and the budget and the debt limit off the political agenda until the end of January 2025. And you'll recall that it's exactly this type of um, omnibus spending that got McCarthy removed in the first place. 
But he's now suggesting, oh, we're not necessarily going to go to Easter, which was the doomsday version for McCarthy. We're going to take it post the next general election. And literally, like the Halloween prank of putting a flaming bag of dog doo-doo on somebody's doorstep and ringing the doorbell and running an array, they want to do that and hand the problem to the next Congress and the next president. But I, in the I meantime, think, mm, unlimited yeah. boring. They're going to borrow like a trillion trillion dollars a quarter for the next five quarters. I, th this could be where things uh, unravel. I didn't have time during the news segment to read this, but Peter St. Unge uh, on his Substack uh, wrote about this real quick. He said, our coming zombie economy, he writes, we can see the slow motion crash in front of our eyes, the jobs, bankruptcies, near double digit falls in real family income. We know exactly how Washington will respond. Bigger deficits, more spending, and rate cuts that will deliver an anemic recovery in a progressive zombie economy, taking us down the road of Japan towards a, a society that crushes the prospects of the young. Unfortunately, Washington's response won't just crush the young, it will crush everybody, because unlike Japan, we have out-of-control inflation that will only get worse with recession-fueled deficits and interest rate cuts, meaning when the recession comes, Washington will have outdone Japan, delivering a zombie economy to crush the young, plus enough inflation to impoverish everybody uh, else. So that kind of seems uh, where things are going and, and what you were discussing as well between U.S. China uh some folks we, we had uh recently these these uh reports from axios and others saying that china wants to restart military to military talks i mean both parties want to and that again people momgren says that geopolitics has become too expensive for for china so i, I guess for the time being um we are seeing diplomacy you know now if if i may let's just mention before the show closes out that we've um had in the last couple of weeks published the final version of the UNESCO document called Internet for Trust. People can find that just by searching UNESCO Internet for, and the word trust as in faith. And they want to see the latest version it just came out like, I don't know, 12 or 13 days ago. And it's very, very clear that this is the template for, um, every nation to appoint a disinformation regulator and define their own terms, determine what is opinion, what is truth, and what is disinformation, and prevent the distribution of the disinformation that may in the end only be possible through a international online digital identity and the end of anonymity. So that's an extremely important issue, and it is designed to apply to all 193 countries who are members of UNESCO. And it is the minimum, the minimum requirement, not the maximum. So we can see already in Britain and in Australia and in Ireland and in Canada, they're going way beyond what has been prescribed as the minimum. And when you talk about... Um, the article that you read there regarding the economy, I think it's worth um, possibly putting a shout out to TNT's Australian audience who have just had confirmed to them that over the last three years of wonderful medical interventions 
their country has suffered the greatest fall in real household income of any of the 40 nations of the OECD. So they've had their mortgage rates go up hugely. And whilst we've seen income growth of about 4% in America, in Australia, they've had negative 5%. And now, post the voice defeat, their government is also rolling out a disinformation bill, coincidentally, at exactly the same time. They want to hide the economic collapse from the the public and uh, all other types of collapse. I was just reading today, um, you know, New Zealand is being reported that the excess deaths because of, you know, the, the, the injections um, that the, they're skyrocketing all over the place. Uh, you know, C- Cryptagon, a uh, blog I'm a huge fan of. It's this um, American dude who uh, married a New Zealander and he's been living in, in, in New Zealand for a while. He says that uh, he mentioned on his blog today that uh, something to the tune of if, if he could only tell us what's happening with all uh, the, the friends and extended family that he knows in New Zealand when it comes to the adverse events related to the shot. And so, uh, you know, that's what they want to do. They want to uh, police speech. Uh, and, and you know, hide all of the truth, and uh, you know, big big brother uh, in action, and, and even the governor of New York came out today, Ochoa, saying that they're going to be, I guess, hunting people down for thought crimes on on social media. Absolutely insane. They did that in New Zealand. Now it's being deployed in America. I'm waiting for it to be deployed here <laughs> in, in in Mexico. Uh, we're two minutes to midnight. Uh, Simon, uh, other thoughts. Yes. Well, if I may, I would just like to say thank you ever so much for having me back as a guest again. Um, It's been a privilege to be able to address all these issues. Thank you to your audience members who sent in the question or request for clarification, however they would prefer to term it. I hope my comments have been useful and you've enjoyed some of the information that I've shared with you online and offline. And um, I'll be most happy to come back. And in the meantime, if people would um, like to also fill up some of their time, with um, my podcast, which can be listened at while you're in the shower or, or in the bath or driving to work, then um, it is available, like I said, on um, on Rumble and Facebook at, at Weaponized News. So um, if people do like to reach out to me on Twitter at the account that you described there, Simon from Flory and the number two, then I'll try and respond to TNT audience members. Um, I do try and um, engage people when they have uh, serious questions, or even if they would just like to share information that it's entirely possible that you and I have have missed, um, because we do have to sleep, albeit with one eye open. Yes, let's get interactive. So uh, yeah, feel free to contact uh, Simon or myself through uh, Teens Radio on the the contact form, um, and or the interactive live chat, or even call in uh, during the live broadcast uh, all right thank you simon we'll talk again sometime soon in the new uh, in the near future keep up your great work and analysis at weaponized news and here uh, at tnt radio i am uh, signing off steve malsberg is up next so stay tuned keep on rocking in the not so free world and as patrick McGuhan used to say in the prisoner be seeing you.